0: For another episode of Guys Who Law, I'm Andrew Icebrook. And I'm Guy Raz. And (laughs) I was wondering if that was coming. I was was wondering how long it would take for
1: Jesse to to impersonate (laughs) Guy Raz. You know, since we did it in last week's episode, I've continually done it throughout my life. I was at the bagel store and I was like, so I'm going to get one bagel and, you know, while we're at it, let's get a side of chips. <laughs> Do you attribute your success to all <laughs> luck or yeah. skill? I said that to the guy making the bagel. <laughs> he was like, please leave our establishment right now.
0: So ho- hopefully one day Guy Raz will uh, tweet us back, respond to our post, but – uh, in the meantime, we'll keep we'll keep talking about him.
1: Either either he's flattered or he will get a restraining order against us, <laughs> which I think both are great options. At
0: one point, it's probably going to become pretty creepy. Um, <laughs> it's pretty <already> there. <laughs> anyways, we got a, a big episode today, mix of of a few different types of topics. First thing we're gonna speak about is Jamal Khashoggi, who's the uh, Saudi Washington, uh, Washington Post journalist who's been missing for the last three weeks. There's been allegations that he was killed by Saudi Arabian, um, a, t- a Saudi Arabian task force uh, that was assigned uh, to capture him when he was entering the, the embassy in Turkey. Uh, so there's been some updates uh, since uh, over the last couple weeks. We're also gonna talk about uh, Canadians Being stopped at the U.S. border because they are questioned about their marijuana usage. And if they admit to having used marijuana in the past when it wasn't illegal, U.S. border patrol guards have been denying them access to come come into this country. An immigration issue right there.
1: Still can't believe that. It's crazy. We'll talk about how it makes
0: probably no sense. Our own producer is a Canadian citizen. So this is an issue that's close to our heart. Hey, Amba,
1: is that why you chose this topic? Yep, she said absolutely.
0: <laughs> and lastly, we have another protester who was thrown out of a Trump rally. Uh, Get him out of here! Get him out! <laughs> and um, he—he—he's uh, known as Man Mun Protester. You—you you, can—you can, you can find him on YouTube. Uh, Trump, as you can imagine, commented on his hair.
1: Get—he needs a haircut. <laughs> I don't know if he's a man or a woman, but he needs a haircut. Get him out! Go back to your mama. So. You know, hard hitting topic right there. We'll go into it. We'll break it down, but let's get started. Okay, we're gonna start with Jamal Khashoggi, who's a Saudi Washington Post journalist and he's been missing for approximately three weeks. It's obviously, it's believed right now that he is dead. Uh, On October 2nd, he went into the Saudi consulate in Turkey and apparently never came back out. His fiancee, who's Turkish, was still outside waiting for him, Uh, she called Turkish, Turkish officials approximately three hours later. Now, the reason he was going in was to get some sort of papers that he needed in order to marry his fiancee, who was Turkish, and this is what all precipitated this. Khashoggi was once a close insider with the Saudi royal family, but he became a critic for the lack of freedom in Arab states and left the country to begin writing pieces for the Washington Post. CNN sources say that Turkish intelligence officers reviewed an audiovisual surveillance, which provided proof that there was an assault and a struggle that ultimately led to Khashoggi's death. Upon review of those tapes, officials rushed to the airport to search two private airplanes, one of which had already taken off. But the plane that didn't take off, they searched it, but it turned up no evidence of Khashoggi. At one point about a week ago, it was reported that the Saudi royals were preparing a statement stating that Khashoggi was accidentally killed during an interrogation, but they've since released no such statement. They maintain that Khashoggi just left the consulate that afternoon, even though there's really no evidence to back that up. Turkish authorities believe that approximately 15 men carried out the heist to abduct, kill, and dismember Khashoggi, with at least some of them connected to high levels of Saudi government. And we're going to talk about who maybe some of those people are. Saudi officials are currently working on an investigation themselves to discover what happened back on October 2nd. It's thought right now that Turkey may possess as yet unreported intelligence that could go further in revealing the individuals responsible for ordering this this hit. Now, what is the U.S. response? We're gonna talk about what the U.S. may do and what they could do, but as of right now, there's this thing called the Future Investment Initiative. It's taking place in Saudi Arabia this year, and most media partners and attendees have backed out in light of what's been going on with Khashoggi. That includes the U.S. Department of Treasury, uh, Stephen Mnuchin, who's already pulled out, and as well as investors and some other European counterparts. So the other thing to note is that Trump has had a really good relationship with uh, the Saudi royal family, and even despite what's going on with the, this investigation, He says, though, if it comes out that Saudi Arabia or some of the officials had something to do with what happened to Khashoggi, the repercussions will be severe. We'll talk about that. But from, just starting from the beginning, I have the feeling that this is gonna be like a Jimmy Hoffa situation where we're just never gonna know what happened to him.
0: I, don't, I I agree. It's interesting though that they that that they're saying that they they do have a video. So there is some evidence supposedly out there that if someone got their hands on it, we could see what what might have happened. Right. Uh, but I don't know if that will ever be released or if there's real, there
1: really is a video. I guess we don't really know for sure. There's got to be something. This happened in a consulate. Now, which made me think if the Saudi – if this was a Saudi Arabian task force that was sent to the consulate. So the Saudi consulate, that's their territory, right? They figured, hey, if we're going to get him, we can track him down. We know where he's going to be. Let's do it on in this consulate. But the problem is it has cameras everywhere. And there's also – wasn't there reports that maybe he, he – uh, Khashoggi had – his own cell phone pick up well, what his, happened. His, his Apple Watch, right?
0: Out of all things, the Apple Watch was the was the was the one device that could have determined if he had been captured there or if he had got out. So they were trying to track that. I don't think it's. I don't think anything's been
1: released yet on whether they were able to do anything with it. I think they were contacting Apple about it. Yeah, I, I get that because you don't want sparse details coming forward and saying this, and then re- because the last thing that you want is. Some things coming out, other things not coming out, them contradicting it. You want a complete picture before anything is released. Yeah, and and uh, also, because if they want to go after Saudi Arabian officials, they got to be careful here. <laughs> I mean, especially with you know, there's a lot of political considerations
0: to consider when when um, doing the investigations here, especially with Saudi Arabia, who controls most of the world's oil. Um, so that's that's a lot of people. That's why they're saying
1: Trump is kind of being careful on what he says in this scenario. But are you surprised that if they really did do this, that's where they decided to take the take the attack? I mean, why didn't they do it? So if you are going to make the decision. Mm-hmm. To kill and dismember a journalist, right. are you going to be so concerned whether or not you do it in your own consulate or do it on Turkish soil? I mean, this would have never, they would we'd never have known what happened to Khashoggi if this was in a back alley somewhere.
0: Well, they probably knew if, if this is, if they were actually behind this, they probably knew that Khashoggi was going to be there that day. So it was their one opportunity. It was on uh, technically their. Um, uh, territory, territory, right? Uh, but but it wasn't actually in their country, so maybe that's a little bit safer uh, than 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 doing something like this within their own country. Easier to maybe cover up. I don't know. Maybe not. As obviously, a lots going on here where, where where they're being investigated. But that that could be the reasoning behind it.
1: It's crazy to think, but the way you dispose of a body, I assume so that no one ever knows and you're able to try, is it dismembering him
0: right? well, and then, they, then, then they're saying the body was chopped up allegedly right. I guess we don't know for sure but they're saying the body was chopped up and then removed and that there was a barbecue in I guess the backyard of the of the consulate where the neighbors were saying they had never seen a barbecue uh, go on in the past there and then they were just they were just having that to uh, distract people from the the sounds and the smells of the body being dismembered and cut up in pieces. And for what the reports are saying is he was cut up while he was alive. All oh. happened while he was alive. Are you serious? That's what I mean. We don't know for sure, but that's that's what that's what some of the reports are coming out saying.
1: Oh my gosh! Um, I, I mean,
0: can you imagine? Outside of the pl- any, all of the political considerations that are being t- talked about here, he w- he was going into the to the consulate. In order to marry his future wife, he was yeah. he was going in there because he he had gotten a divorce or was getting a divorce and needed some marriage certificate papers from the Saudi Saudi consulate. So his his future wife was waiting outside for him. They were gonna get gonna get married in the next couple weeks or whatever, and he never comes out. And then she hears that he was dismembered, chopped up. Oh, it's a nightmare! I
1: can't imagine. Yeah, it's a nightmare, and I'm telling you, I'm a big fan of Daniel Silva. I don't know if you know him. He's an author. He writes all these political intrigue novels. They're amazing. I am telling you, this is something straight out of it. I mean, I can't believe what I'm reading about. This is exactly how he writes these kinds of things about how they would track down somebody and get rid of them. This is this is terrifying. And she's waiting in the car. Right. This is this is off. This is the worst thing I've ever heard.
0: It's crazy, um, but. I guess enough of the world thinks that Saudi uh, Saudi Arabia is behind this. Um, well, yeah, and, and that's
1: what so they're not. That's
0: why they're not they're not attending the
1: the media summit. So, the idea is what could. So Trump, the way that I've read it is he's very careful right now about it. First of all, whenever he does interviews about this, the thing that he keeps saying is. Bad situation, really bad situation. But what he says is is he's we don't want the same situation as Kavanaugh where somebody is guilty until proven innocent, meaning— Because this is exactly like Kavanaugh. Yeah, right, I know. But he's like, look, you can't say Saudi Arabia without evidence. And maybe there's a, a, a claim to that. But the problem is when you look at what they have so far, it's yeah. in a Saudi consulate, right? Yeah. The only people allowed in that consulate, you have to be authorized. There's a guy, and I'm going to butcher his name, Maher Abdulaziz Matreb. He's a frequent companion of of Saudi Arabia's crown prince and there's surveillance footage from the day of Jamal Khashoggi's disappearance where he's inside the consulate, he's at a hotel outside the consulate, and he's at the airport and outside the consul's residence. So he's right there when this happens. There's – I mean who else would have done this to him in the sense that if this guy, report – this journalist is now being critical of this very this very government and he gets – the last people – place anybody sees him is the consulate for that government. People can put two and two together. It's a little bit different.
0: Yeah, nobody saw him. There's no reports of him leaving. Like even – I think no. there were some cameras there. Nobody saw him leave. No. So even though there's not physical evidence, like, like – so, Ev- enough evidence that that people have made a uh, firm decision on it. There seems to be enough, you know, parts of the story to put together the puzzle and to
1: kind of see what, what went on here. <laughs> no, I know. And then, and then again, yeah. like, like this was a real like this was a movie or a yeah. book. The question is, oh, why, why not just go after Saudi Arabia? Well, there was a, just to give you an idea, Trump rejected backing off at a hundred and ten billion dollar worth of arms deals, uh, you know, we're talking about a lot of money between Saudi Arabia and the US. That's really a big factor. But the question is, what would Trump do if it comes out? If you get the most blistering port, surveillance footage, audio, everything you have pointing to these Saudi Arabian officials, what can Trump do, right?
0: I don't know. first first, he was he was this guy wasn't an, was not an American citizen. He was American resident, though, yeah, right. he was an American yeah, resident. Yeah.
1: So there's some things that the u s. government could do here. There's an act called the global mojinski Majins- Act, hmm. and it gives the President the authority to ban uh, certain individual, uh, foreign individuals and freeze the assets of individuals who are human rights violators. So he could technically ban Saudi Arabian, the Saudi Arabian government, the cr- the Crown Prince, any of his officials and institute um, you know, asset freezes on them, and they wouldn't be able to come into the country. Um, the president has the discretion to do this. Congress has a ability here to force the president's hand. They give him four months to respond to their request to say, what do you wanna do here? And he has to decide in four months whether or not there was human, ri- vi- human rights violations and whether or not he's gonna impose sanctions. Um, there, there's been a letter already sent to him, so apparently he's going to have to respond one way or another to this. The question is, that could be a really bad situation if we get into some sort of conflict between Saudi Arabia and the US but the US has to take a stance here we should
0: really start being nice to Elon nicer to Elon Musk then yeah, right? get away from the oil <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're going to need those teslas i know some people have said well why doesn't he just why don't we send our own people there to investigate why don't we send the FBI? It's not so simple. You need the permission of Turkey and Saudi Arabia to make that happen. Right. I, don't,
0: I don't think we're on the greatest terms with Turkey either.
1: No, no. This is a really, is a really messy situation. One other thing, you mentioned that he's a resident. So mm-hmm. as opposed to being a citizen, he doesn't get the same kind of protections or aid from the U.S. As a, resident, as a citizen would when they travel abroad. But one of the things that the U.S. had to do by law was warn him of the danger to his life. And they apparently knew... Uh, there was a danger to his life, and they didn't warn him. Did they? How, how do they know that? Uh, there was, like, some reports that th- it was out there that he his life was in danger. I read that there was an unnamed NSA official who told the press that U.S. intelligence had learned that Saudi Arabia had something unpleasant in store for Khashoggi at least the day before he went to the embassy. Hmm. So if they knew about this and they didn't warn him, I guess they're semi-responsible for what happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, but it's also the kind of thing, like, the U.S. government gets— Threats, I'm sure, all the time, like some of which that they have to evaluate if it's legitimate, some of which, you know, just gets written in because it's the government. So um, I don't know where they draw the line. Um, but
1: it, It's just scary yeah. being a journalist. You know, one yeah. of the things I, I never wanted to be a reporter or a journalist, I'll tell you, I, crazy, I was always nervous about writing stories and being in danger. I mean – you watch enough TV, you watch enough movies, they're always in danger well, this, reporting this, that story. This was a little
0: different too because he wasn't like a, a journalist who for all of his life he was writing against the Saudi government. He was friends with the Saudi crown prince. They were like good friends. And then he turned he, – he went into a voluntary exile out of Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia and then he, then he started writing against the government. So it's interesting because this was somebody on the inside who det- detracted basically
1: you you watch Kirby Enthusiasm?
0: Yeah, the what do you? I the, think I know the, what the, you're the boys. <laughs> <mob boys. laughs>
1: It's no joke, but that's what it is. If it's scary. Well, here's the thing: this is and this I didn't like. This yeah. I didn't like at all. There appears to be hmm. Republicans cons- and the conservative sphere who want to support the president in his decision not to go after Saudi Arabia immediately. So there's obviously been a lot of criticism against Trump that he hasn't gone after. Yeah. So what they're doing is they're smearing Khashoggi. They're saying, well, he's got ties to the Muslim Brotherhood. He knew Osama bin Laden back in the 80s. I Okay, why are they doing that? Are they saying that, A, because, okay, if that's the case and he's a uh, involved with terrorists, then we don't care if he died? Or are they saying, oh, he was involved— um, and that means there could be other suspects here who might have been involved in his disappearance. What, which way are they going with that statement?
0: Probably, maybe, maybe both ways. Just leaving it up to whoever's hearing it. I don't uh, like that. I yeah. don't
1: think that's the way you want to go.
0: I, I mean, the the, uh, the I would say conservatives more than any party are. Um, you know in bed with the with, with the, the the oil lobby and OPEC so it means lots of them to be on good terms with Saudis
1: all of America is yeah. we all drive cars we all need I oil am sure that the,
0: the you know the Democrat lobby the that party is too but um you know there's considerations there
1: I read something that if it comes out that the Saudi crown prince is going to place the blame on a general who misinterpreted his orders. It's like
0: that sounds like a few good men, like yeah. Code Red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did, you got Did you order the God Code Red? red? <laughs> Who's gonna do it? You, <laughs> you, Lieutenant Weinberg. It's my favorite movie. Yeah, yeah I like, agree. He, he goes, "Why? So if your orders are always followed." Then why would Santiago's life be in danger? Oh, that's pretty good. I've watched that movie a thousand times. I've quoted that movie in my law school application essay. Oh, right. Really?
0: Uh huh. I think I quoted "Justice for All" in my in my law school application essay. And it worked out well, didn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it got us to this point. Yeah. Hosting a legal podcast.
1: This is all I've ever wanted. <laughs> this is speculating, guessing. Yes. And acting like we know what we're talking about. Exactly. Do you realize? So okay, let's plan in the next month or so. Yeah. A, do you think that there's going to be more information coming out from an investigative standpoint, like with all these tapes um, coming out? Do you think there's going to be an audio recording?
0: No, I think there's. If there is a recording, the Saudis are probably all over right now trying to get it destroyed. Um, that's a scary thought. Um, but I'm sure that's what that's what's happening. Um, and maybe I think there will be some more information that comes out. But in by
1: three weeks from now, there's going to be something else that people are talking about any chance he's alive President Trump said that he feels that he's not alive he made that statement he goes in he, he, he's of the belief he's dead based
0: on what I saw I feel like he's not alive too he wow. was about to get married like uh, I just can't imagine as, as a person outside of what he did politically or as a journalist like leaving your fiance who you're about to marry like them not knowing what happened unless she was she, she knew what was going on but I don't and really see a reason and then what happens if it comes
1: out Saudi Arabia was involved in this What's going to happen?
0: Honestly, maybe nothing. I don't but know. Some,
1: that might be what it is. Yeah. And maybe nothing happens. And we and his – Like I'm sure people know. know that Saudi Arabia has done bad shit before. A lot of people have done stuff and it, and it's <laughs> and it's crazy that it just goes on and no repercussions because I guess you get to such a high level. But again, we're assuming. We have no idea. We have no, no idea. I mean we can guess. It seems – Pretty clear yeah, uh, that something nefarious went down in that consulate.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've looked at what's been out so far. We're not investigators on the case. No.
1: Can you imagine? I, w- I mean, maybe we should be. Maybe oh, they need to gosh. bring in guys who love. All right. I need a, I need a team here. <laughs> crime scene tape. We're, we, we need crime scene tape. How many orders, Andrew? Three, four, four orders of this? only like ten. Yeah. We, this is, don't put us on the case. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> but uh, listen, it's really a sad situation and really eerie. Because he wrote that article, his last post to the, on the Washington, his last column in the Washington Post, was about the need for transparency in the media in Arab states, and the danger to journalists. And look what happened. Yeah, it's crazy, it's a scary profession, especially in the light of whether you don't like President Trump or you like him. There's a war with journalism. There
0: was there was some, something similar that happened. I remember watching an Anthony Bourdain episode where he was he was interviewing an Iranian journal, a journalist, and he I think was talking uh, you know badly about the government too. And I don't know if he he was killed, but he was he was definitely imprisoned. Um,
1: it's but, like Russia too.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's people take for granted like freedom of press in the United States, but in other countries. It is a totally different
1: ballgame. Yeah, because they're controlling what the story is. Yeah, they're controlling the narrative, and you don't want other facts going in there. I think a lot of times people are shocked when people from other countries don't have the full information, and then you say, "Where do you think they're supposed to get it from?" Yeah, they don't have free access like we do.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you if you were lived there too, you'd probably th- think the same things.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. Well, I guess we're gonna have to see what happens. Yeah.
0: I'll will follow the story. I think I think it's pretty interesting.
1: It's sad, but yeah. it's really interesting. But yeah. uh, and it's scary. It's really scary. So
0: yeah. So uh,
1: what do you, what do you think? What's uh? I think this is important for anybody who wants to go into journalism. I think it's really important for that. I think it's also important to show where does America stand on these kind of issues that maybe doesn't even affect a U.S. citizen, but it affects a human being. Yeah, like
0: how interventionist do we get in terms of non-U.S. citizens
1: and and uh. You know, doing the moral thing in this situation, everybody says they criticize one way or another if America should be the moral police of the world and police the world. There's a reason this is a gr- the be- I'll say it. This is the reason this is the greatest country in the world because we make that stand in these kinds of situations. But we know that Trump is a nationalist. He's not an
0: interventionalist. That's so true. if he's going to stick to his his uh, his morals or 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 what he believes. He doesn't like getting involved in these type of things. He, he could say Khashoggi not a U.S. citizen. It's not our fault. It's not our matter. It's not our fight. I mean he, he might be totally for like going after the Saudis, but since it doesn't involve a U.S. citizen, he'll want to stay away.
1: Yeah. That's so. going to work out one way or another. We'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next up All right. So the U.S. Border Patrol is <laughs> – <Sorry>. report- <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I have a cold. I know my voice sounds extra deep today, but <laughs> sorry, I was coughing in the middle of your, of your summary. All
0: right, we're, all, we're all covering our mouths now. Um, I'm going to put like, one of those masks on during the interview. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Jesse, what do you think about Canada?
0: <laughs> so uh, the U.S. Border Patrol is reportedly banning Canadians from the country who admit to using marijuana in the past. 57-year-old Canadian Bill Powers was asked by, the, by Washington Border Patrol agents if he had ever had smoked marijuana. A medical marijuana car carrier – as a medical mar- marijuana car carrier, he answered yes and he was turned away from the border and also banned from the United States. Canada is the second nation to legalize recreational marijuana uh, that happened recently. Almost every state along the U.S.-Canada border has legalized marijuana in some form, either medical or recreational. But Border Patrol is under federal jurisdiction, which treats cannabis as a Schedule I drug in the same class as heroin. Yes, marijuana is in the same class as heroin. Border agents also have very wide discretion when it comes to what types of questions they ask and are allowed to turn away non-citizens who admit to ever using any type of controlled substance. According to recent data, 22,000 Canadians were deemed inadmissible and turned away at the border last year. People who are banned can apply for a waiver which costs $900 plus legal fees in order to get a denial overturned um, if they had admitted to smoking marijuana in the past, etc., And people who apply for this waiver also need to get a background check and two character reference letters, and the process can take three to six months. So that's a very arduous process for uh, possibly just smoking marijuana in your past before it was legalized. Additionally, people who now work in the cannabis industry are now seen as drug traffickers in the eyes of immigration officials. Uh, There's a lifetime ban uh, according to the CBP. Apparently, guards at the border are looking at the website of Canadian cannabis companies and taking note of the employees in case, and taking note of the employees in case they try to cross the border. Since legalization in Canada, U.S. Customs have come out with a statement saying they won't ban Canadians who use marijuana legally, but can ask about the user's history. And if they use marijuana before legalization, could be turned away since they are more likely to use manna- marijuana in U.S. U- U.S. states illegally as well. Washington immigration lawyer Len Saunders says that the Canadians have a right to not answer that questions, those kind of questions, in order to avoid the ban. Let me
1: see if I get this straight, okay? You're Canadian. You come to the U.S., go to Washington where it's legal to – marijuana is legal. You're over the age of 21. You buy marijuana. All good. You smoke it there. You have a great time. Go back to Canada, right? Next time you're on your next trip to the U.S., you're questioned by border agents about – your prior use of marijuana before it became legal in Canada. And because you don't want to lie to border agents, you say, you know what, I'll be honest with you. I did smoke marijuana when I was younger, before it was legal. You can be banned from coming back into the U.S. For smoking it in the U.S.? Yeah, not even, yeah, because there's a danger. They're gonna say, well, if you should go to a state where it's not legal, you're gonna break the law.
0: And basically, it just sounds like they can deny anybody they want for any reason whatsoever. And yeah. they're using this as a crutch to deny people from coming into the country.
1: Now here's the problem with this, okay? Let's not hate on Canada. Amba. Our own, our own producer is from Canada. Amba. Ryan Gosling, Ryan Reynolds, Jim Carrey, Rachel McAdams. Are these the people that we want to disappoint right here? Justin Bieber. Just the beeps. The beeps. The beeps. <laughs> Canada's great, everyone's nice, they have funny last names, everyone's sweet. This is what we want to do? We want to get into this kind of disagreement no. with Canada?
0: We need a friend somewhere. We need maple syrup. Where are we love, gonna get our maple syrup? I don't, Vermont? I put maple syrup on everything. I
1: do. <laughs> I put it in my hair to give myself a little blood. I mean, this is not, we need allies in this world. Saudi Arabia's about to hate us. We need Canada, yeah. we need Canada. We need some sort of ally here. Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: I, I just – I can't imagine that this was even an issue during under other, other administrations. I feel like we've just gotten so much harder on immigration that this is another excuse. I know Canada just legalized marijuana. Maybe that changes things. But apparently that doesn't – it doesn't matter because they're – the problem is when people admit to using marijuana before it was
1: legalized. This is so stupid. This is marijuana. It should be legal at the federal level in the United States and the only reason it's not is – there's a few reasons. But one of the biggest ones is I think it's a misconception about marijuana, right? There's a misconception of who's using it, how it's used, the effects on the body. It has a bad stigma. it was the same thing when alcohol was banned during the Prohibition era. It was the same nonsense. What's more dangerous, alcohol or marijuana? Alcohol, 100%. What am we, I not getting we know. Yeah. So it, why not just legalize it at the federal level and border agents can then search for real issues to not let people into the country?
0: Right. I mean what people say about marijuana – and this is like – we can have this totally separate podcast just about the legalization of marijuana – but that it's a a gateway drug for other drugs, even though it's not as as harmful with alcohol. Just because something's not as harmful doesn't mean it should be totally
1: legalized. That that sort of thing. And, and, and because it's a companion drug to drug cartels selling other items, right? Yeah, yeah I get be. that. I get that. But at the same point, like ugh, this makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, at all. No, I mean. I, I feel bad for the people getting rejected to the border.
0: And, and also, like, would you admit, like, I don't, you're not under oath when you're going through border but, security. But here's right? the deal.
1: Here's the deal. If you lie to a border agent, yeah. right, and you say, hey, never smoked, they don't believe you, you get caught, you're denied entry into the U.S. and you got to go get that waiver that you mentioned, yeah. you could be denied the waiver for lying to an, a border agent. Right. And, that, and here's that funny thing, too, on guys who law attorneys are now making tons of money with these new canadian clients yeah. and they're like oh my business is growing i got all these people who are being denied i'll help them get waivers
0: Atter- attorneys always find ways to make money out of people's problems <laughs> here's, a, here's a new problem there's going to be a lot of attorneys on it i know well it's, it's ridiculous like just because you smoked marijuana at some point in your life you have to pay nine hundred dollars wait three to six months go through this pain in the ass legal process
1: you know, it's, uh, it's ridiculous, honestly. So what are people supposed to do? Lie? No. Tell the truth? I, I mean, <laughs> unless you really haven't smoked marijuana. But let's say you somebody who didn't – who never smoked marijuana in their life. And they, they decide then in their point in their life, you know what? It's legal now. Let me go try it. They get caught with marijuana. But like, hey, it's legal, whatever. And then the border agent system, so – this isn't your first time, is it? And no, no, sir, it really is my first time. And they're like, oh, we don't believe you. That's mm-hmm. it. We, I, I kind of want to see this in
0: practice. Maybe we should do as an investigative report, send our producer, Amba, yeah. who's a Canadian citizen out there, Yeah, to, to, to tell her to go up to the, <laughs> the border officials, go
1: through this process, and I want to see how this actually goes down. Amba, do you want us to send Ryan Reynolds with you as well? <laughs> you can be the, compa- the Canadian ambassadors to Guys Who Law. Absolutely. This is all going to be on video, Why are you smiling so much when I mentioned Ryan Reynolds? What? It's strange. It's strange. (laughs) This is a disaster, though. I mean, I don't get this. This is – it's too much discretion. Too much discretion in the hands of – What happened to objectivity? No, it's not. In a way, it's good, right? You want – so in the worst-case scenario, if you think about border agents who you don't want in the country, you want them to have discretion to not let enemies of the state come in, right? Right. You want that discretion. At the same time – you're a little. You don't want them abusing the power. Yeah, they, they, we don't want somebody being like, "Ah, this guy's a ginger. I don't, I don't like gingers." <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny. Like, how many times do people, when they get pulled over by a tra- by, you know, cops, uh, tra- uh, you know, po- a traffic light or whatever, it's a little bit of a power trip, right? for the cop. Yeah, yeah you yeah. have to do it, at whatever that officer says. Yeah. Whatever they say. What? So it's a little bit like that. You're given so much authority and so much power. That why not abuse it? Have you gotten pulled over before? Okay. This is a great story. I have. This is a great story. I got pulled over once in my life. Uh Uh-huh. Okay? I got pulled over. I was at the beach. Mm -hmm. And there was a bird that actually had one leg Mm -hmm. and it fell into the ocean and was about to drown. (laughs) I picked the bird up. And saved its freaking life, okay. <laughs> but I was—I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. I'm now. My hands are infected with one-legged bird. Yeah. So I said to my girlfriend at the time, I was like, I don't know what to do. There's no—I have to clean my hands. And she's like, Well, let's just drive to a new restaurant. So I take go into the the my car and I take napkins and hold the steering wheel and I'm driving f- so fast I go through a, a stop sign and police pull me over, and he goes. What are you doing? You pull, I was, he's like, you're from around here. I look, he looked at my license. I go, officer, you're not going to believe this. We had quite the afternoon. I saved a bird's life. I have germs <laughs> on my hand. I need to get to the restaurant. He said that's too unbelievable a story to make up. Drive carefully next time, and I didn't get to I would you say you would sound like a crazy person. He would have, like, committed you to, a, to an asylum right there. <laughs> well, <laughs> luckily for you, that's what happened, but I escaped. <laughs> Except for this podcast now just revealed that. All right. Yeah. Um, that's one way to get out of a ticket for anybody that gets stopped, pulled over. Right. And that is now why I have a lazy eye. <laughs> but <laughs> no, that's a true story. That's a true story. Um, so I bet you didn't think I was going to talk about that on the Canadian topic. No.
0: You know, we, we we go on helpful tangents here, though. So yeah. Have you been pulled over? I've been pulled over once, but I got out of it. How'd you do uh, that? Um, I... The, the cop—I was very young, and the cop basically saw me shaking and pissing my pants, and I think he felt bad and let me off.
1: Was the cop a young Robert Mueller? <laughs> yeah,
0: I, yeah, I was so intimidated. It was at night. He had, like, the flashlight on me, and I just wanted to get the hell out of there. We, so I was like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir.
1: Would you fold under pressure?
0: To Robert Mueller? To, to, like, if you were in an interrogation room. Um, yes Well it depends If I was like Holding national security secrets You think you could do it? I, you know I do what I need to do For
1: my country If it's for just for me personally Fold immediately How Yeah Okay How many How many viewers How many listeners Do we have on Guys who law Andrew? <laughs> Tell us now Millions If it's for guys who law Never guys fold who law, yeah. Never fold Done
0: um, Alright so we, well, Should we rate this one?
1: Yeah Right. Um, so this is a different one. We, we Our pod, our podcast appeals to everyone, right? Not just people in the U.S., right? Yeah, it's very international. <laughs> so if you're in Canada, I would give this a strong eight. Yeah. You know? Majority of people smoke pot or have smoked pot in their life, I would imagine.
0: I mean, especially millennials. Canadian Canadian of millennials. Course. Hey, Canadian middle millennials. Listen to Guys Who Law. Oh, hey. Airs every Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would give, I would give this, uh, I think, in like, 7 point, 7.1 because I think this is going to be a
1: phase. I don't think this is like going to be a permanent thing. But what about people that, like, I read one guy who want, had tickets to a concert in the U.S. and he can't come now. Or people who have relationships with Canadians. They can't see them now. Yeah. It's he, a big can't, it's, can't see Bruce. I know. I know. <laughs> or Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> He's Canadian. I oh, know is that. he? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, like, yeah. I love this other ones Yeah, f- fantastic. Oh, they I thought they
0: were him. so American. He's been on the most American shows in the, in, the, in the world. 24. Oh, I love that show. Yeah. I love that show. And that other show, I forgot what it's called. Oh, he was the president. The president, yeah. Yeah. Everybody yeah. dies. And yeah, then, he, he, then he becomes president. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Don't want you to ruin anything. That's the whole premise of the show. That's the crap
0: in the first episode. Yeah. Um, all right. You, what, you, want to, you, want to, you want to take the last one about Manbun?
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Should I do this one in the voice of Trump? Uh, maybe partially? Okay. <laughs> Samuel Spadino, complete loser, or the man bun protester, was arrested in Minneapolis at one of my rallies for apparently causing a disturbance by repeatedly yelling, Dad, not funny, total loser, total jerk. Security initially tried to get Spadino to leave, and when he, reque- he resisted, police arrived. Thank goodness we love our men in blue, men and women in blue. And they escorted him out of the building The Secret Service kept Spadino at the local adult attention center, and he was charged with obstructing the legal process, trespassing, and two counts of disorderly conduct. Spadino has had similar protests before at Trump rallies. In June, for example, Spadino held up a sign of Trump and convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein together, said, who is Jeffrey Epstein? Trump went after him at that rally. You can watch it on YouTube, telling him, go home dear mom, darling, go home, and also saying that. He needs a haircut more than I do as a man or a woman. Spadino pled not guilty to the charges from the rally in Minneapolis. What do you think about this one?
0: Wow. Just
1: wow. Wow. Who would have thought that something like this would <laughs> happen? <laughs> so I think a lot of people would wonder, how do you get in trouble by protesting? Not, I mean— He's not. I don't. I don't know if he's gonna be convicted. If he's convicted, he faces fines and actual jail time, not prison time. Jail time. He'd be in jail for. Yeah, a few I don't months. think he's gonna be convicted, but we'll see. I could be wrong, but. Um, he says he didn't. He follow He wasn't uh, resisting arrest, which would be the big thing. Not he, I it. saw the
0: video. He left when they took him out. He probably got in legally. Like maybe he got a ticket or whatever it is. I don't. I don't really understand the problem. you are allowed to speak. You're allowed. You're allowed to say what's on your mind, but they're yeah. also
1: allowed to kick you out. So you know, it's, uh, you can punch anybody. These rallies, whether you're Democratic or Republican, every rally it's yeah. always like a little bit of a cult thing, right? Yeah. Well, so so
0: I so I was watching the video. What I don't understand in in these sort of situations, like in a rally, when like someone gets kicked out, the whole crowd turns to the guy and starts chanting USA, USA, <laughs> USA. Like I, I'm sorry, but I'm embarrassed for our country when I hear that. <laughs> I'm so, I, like how like
1: uber American can you be? It's like a little over the top. See, the thing is, is it, ironically, isn't what he's doing the most American thing by protesting? Yes,
0: I mean that's what I think.
1: Yeah. So in a way, isn't what they're protesting? They're protesting. Actually,
0: they're protesting freedom of speech. Yeah. They're chanting USA. Yeah.
1: To first shutting down freedom freedom of speech. Shocker. A lot of people are saying one thing and they really don't know what they're talking about. I don't know. Uh, look. You know, nobody likes criticism that's bottom line nobody likes criticism any which way this guy's an interesting guy I looked a little little bit about him he's actually a Christian conservative a comedian and a human guinea pig for pharma companies he tries oh he gets paid to try drugs and stuff
0: okay I always
1: wondered how those jobs work why don't you try it out and see how you result (laughs) I don't know (laughs) We, uh, we're back three weeks later. We're back with Andrew. He's got <laughs> three arms, and uh, it's great now because he can type with one and hold the microphone with the other. It's a risk I'm going to take for a price. Uh, here's the thing I didn't get. What's the dad reference when he yells out dad? <laughs> I don't know. Is it like an Ivanka Trump,
0: Trump dig? Or? I
1: really don't I, know. Like I he, don't know. He can come
0: up with a better protest chant than probably dad.
1: Because he was commenting dad. on Trump knew this. Epstein guy, he's on a sex offenders registration list. So I don't get what the dad reference is. I don't either. I mean, he obviously got under
0: Trump's skin, and he and he uh, had him taken out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, is this guy like a normal person, like the man bun
1: guy? I don't think so. First of all, protesting's hard. You're really you're putting your whole <laughs> life in danger here by by doing it, and you really want to make a stance. I get it, but yeah. I give props to people who do it. Like it's a, it's a tough thing to do. Like I've never ever, protested. No, I don't. I've never protested anything. The most I've ever protested. You, you told me about your one protest for the bagels. You had to. You had, had to no get those truck. muffins. Gotta get those muffins and bagels in my apartment building because I was promised them. And when they're not delivered, yeah. someone's gotta stand up for justice. You
0: gotta You you make promises, you deliver them. That's what
1: Trump's slogan is. <laughs> make promises, deliver. Make promises great again. <laughs> I it was funny, as I was looking at um the dad reference, I kind of thought of like what are nicknames for Trump. You know, maybe he could have called him something else. Funny enough, as I was looking for this, did you know on Wikipedia there's a licks, list of nicknames that are used by Donald Trump not to refer to him but what he's called other people? Yeah. Someone wrote a Wikipedia article about every one of Donald Trump's nicknames of people. It's hysterical. Let's hear, Let's hear him. Okay. Joe Biden, ready? Yeah. Crazy Joe Biden, Sleepy Joe, and 1% Biden. Okay. Bill Clinton, Wild Bill. <laughs> I like that one. Um this one's good, <laughs> George Herbert Walker Bush, Bush original.
0: All right, <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, uh,
1: Jeb Bush, low energy Jeb. Hey, right. James Comey was great, sanctimonious James Comey, slimeball James Comey, slippery James Comey, shady Jones James Kobe, and Leakin James Kobe. These are good.
0: Did you see that? Uh, I think yesterday might have happened or the day before. Uh, we're recording this on Friday that Beto Beto O'Rourke, I think that's his name, uh-huh. the guy running for Senate, Senate in uh, in uh, Texas against Ted Cruz, he called Ted Cruz, I think, Lion Ted Cruz. Oh, and then people were saying, like, say see, he it was like a right out of Trump's playbook. And then he apologized for it today.
1: Do you think that's what people are going to do now, take out of the Trump playbook by being throwing names? Listen, I guess it
0: worked well in a way. So it's a
1: marketing strategy that uh, that people – you know, we'll remember, remember it. People have short memories, so, you, you know, you got to say something that sticks. If you do have short memories, do you remember what Trump called Tim Kaine, uh, mm-hmm. the running mate with Hillary Clinton? No. Total stiff. <laughs> 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 oh, oh man. man. All right. Well, I, hopefully maybe we can cover this guy's court case, which I think is in January of 2019. Wow. Well. Here. And at Long, Long Crime, crime Network. Yeah. Tune in. Yeah. Jesse Weber hosting every day, Monday through Friday, 9 to 12. Thanks for that. Easter uh, Saturday time. Thank you. Thank you for that post. Yeah. Thank you for that uh, promotion right there. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. So uh, let's we'll rate this one. I don't, yeah, we'll rate it. Let's rate it. Let's rate what it. What do you think?
0: 2.1. Mm. Yeah, that's low. This is not surprising at all. Um, I found it inter- entertaining watching the video, but that's about it. Yeah, so, I'll give it a, a two. So, if millennials, if, if you're if you're reading the news, and you happen to see the story come up, you, you can probably skip over it. But millennials, a lot of them protest.
1: Yeah, we but we like, protest
0: a lot. There's stories like this coming out all the time. Like this, this particular one doesn't have any bearing. I feel I, like on. I
1: guess if you're gonna protest, just be careful. That's the thing. Don't it, when you're asked to leave, leave.
0: Well, you know, sometimes, sometimes people don't leave because it makes a bit of a bigger statement. Yeah. You know? So, so Rosa, Rosa Parks didn't leave. Which is a great that, point. You know? so, That's a great point. So can go both ways. All right, everybody. All right. So uh, that does it for uh, this week's episode. Um, follow us at Guys Who Law on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Spotify. Where
1: else? Where else, Amba? Or wherever That's you it. get your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Andrew Iceberg <laughs> at Andrew Icebrook. And I am Guy Raz at NPR. No, I'm Jesse Weber at Jesse Cord Weber on Twitter and at RealJ Weber on Instagram.